Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 180. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Can you believe it? We are 180 episodes in. I think I got the hang of it. (laughs) It's a little crazy. I was looking at the statistics, 46,000 total downloads, about 2,000 of them in the past 30 days. And there was a peak last month, 3,000 downloads. Pretty crazy. It's all because of you. Listening, sharing, providing feedback, encouraging me to keep going. That means you matter. And this matters. And our work to grow more fulfilling lives matter. You know, people are noticing, they want to know, how'd you do it? What was the magical pill? What was the one thing you did to make it happen? I smile, I laugh, and I think, well, there was about 10,000 things I tried. A few of them made a difference. They moved the needle. That means we have to try a whole bunch of things and see what works. Each of us do, because each of our lives are unique and special. Before we go into today's episode, let's talk about some updates, fun ones. First, we are moving forward with the contract on Emerge. Emerge Stronger 2024, and we'll have the dates and location locked in soon. We'll share them with you soon. You know, Ace, it was amazing. An incredible conference, bringing women together really for genuine connection. Emerge Stronger is going to be next level. Like we're thinking about the ways to really create a deeper connection, create unique and meaningful experiences. We've thought of some innovative programs that haven't been done before. And it gets me in the feels when I think about it, like, oh, this is going to be good. Second, I joined Green Cloud Apparel. I work with the most amazing founder who has been on the podcast, Dr. Lori Boge. And we even started a Green Cloud podcast titled Trailblazers Changing Medicine. It's intended to be a bi-weekly source of hope and inspiration, and it'll come out on Monday morning. So just when you need that infusion of hope, listen to Trailblazers Changing Medicine. (laughs) My joy, my role is to build and spread the message of Green Cloud. What we do, what we offer are chic and comfortable scrubs, but what we really do is to bring out and bring up the courage and confidence of women in medicine. Third, the talk at A&M, it went well. And the special soul who invited me, she was pleased. My son introduced me. He called me mom. In this room of a hundred cadets, he called me mom. (laughs) It was joyous. My favorite people were there, Craig, our dear friend, Nita. It was in a unique way for us to spend time as a family. (laughs) Next, Craig and I, we're going to be on the road this summer with graduations from military schools and visiting some treasured friends. Our first intention it's to see the Queen of Sass, Erin Wiseman, meet her dragons, meet Craig, her husband, and really savor their farm and their rescued alpacas. All that to say, it's been an incredible year so far, and we are just beginning. Today's episode is about brain space. I've been thinking a lot about this concept, brain space, because the brain, it is a finite resource. It has a finite amount of space to process, to store, to refer to, draw memories from. I used to believe it was infinite. Like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. I've got enough capacity, period. What I've realized is that it's kind of similar to the bladder. It's got a finite amount of space. 
you know, bladder abuse, it is common among women physicians. Like we hold off going to the bathroom. We've got too much to do. We don't want to inconvenience anyone. Chances are patients have been waiting to see us. And it's not just us. It's other women in medicine too. There's a finite amount of space. You only have so much and then the bladder can't take anymore. Turns out our brains are kind of the same way. There's a finite amount of capacity too. And high achievers, we like to push the limits. We like to believe that we're different. We can do more. We can push harder. We can solve all things. We can take on more projects to work on. It works until it doesn't. It tries and then it reaches its limit. We go until we can't go anymore. And then crash, overwhelm, shutting down, can't do anything else. Is it just me or does this sound familiar? We abuse our brains and then we wonder, why am I not happy? Why is my energy low? Why don't I feel good? How come I'm not sleeping? Why are things halfway done? And and why do I just want to keep quitting? Brain space. We have a finite amount. No matter how smart we are, no matter how hard we work, we are human. We don't escape being human. We have a human brain. These are the specific components that I want to talk about. First is room to process. Second, storage space for new information. And third is the place in our brain where memories draw from. Please note, there was no research performed for this episode. Zero. (laughs) These are all my ideas, how I am simplifying what I think and what I demand for my brain. And these are also the limits of my human brain. (laughs) Packaged up for you, if for nothing else, to be humorous. Here we go. There's a finite amount of room to process information. And you know, computers, they have a finite processor as well. It used to be called RAM. I think Apple calls it unified memory now. And you know, when you go to buy a computer, it'll ask you how much memory do you want or how much processing speed do you want? So that means creating a grocery list while cooking dinner and talking on the phone and reviewing the last argument with your partner. And then trying to remember, did you place that medication order? And what else is happening? They can't all effectively happen at the same time. We try. I love us. We're high achievers. We want to multitask. We want to be efficient. Our time is precious. We don't have enough time. But it simply doesn't work. Our brain doesn't have the capacity. We are not AI. We don't have lightning fast capabilities to process multiple things in separate channels at the same time, especially things that are complex, multifactorial, especially things that involve human emotion, you know, the feelings. (laughs) Many of us are not in tune with them and that's okay. It's okay. We're doing our best. I've noticed the capacity changes over time too, as in the amount of effort to focus on one thing greatly reduces the ability to focus on anything else. Be kind to your brain. Lower the number of simultaneous inputs. Allow your brain to focus on one thing at a time. Make things wait, make people wait until you have the space to be intentional and focused. It will be a challenge. Just like taking the few minutes to go to the bathroom is a challenge because it all seems so real and so important and we can't let anyone down, even if we're suffering. But we can't have it all. Replaying arguments from the past, taking care of patients, thinking about all the stuff that needs attention, Caring for kids or aging parents, driving and trying to catch up with a friend, it's too much. We can't have it all, but we can have brain peace, which means things and people have to wait. 
It is believing that my brain and peace of mind are both important and setting the conditions so that I function better. That may mean creating systems to not have to do things more than once, like putting them on autopilot or automating a process or hiring people or organizations to just take them and do them all to protect your brain space because your brain space, your peace of mind, your ability to function in an excellent capacity rather than just trying to survive. It requires that you limit the number of inputs and you limit the number of things that are being processed at the same time which kind of means that you're intentional. What we are ultimately talking about is allowing yourself to be enough. This is one of the most difficult things for humans. The most common fears, according to Tony Robbins, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of not being worthy of love. Most of us are walking around with both. And limiting the inputs can be a challenge to enoughness. So when we're talking brain space and brain peace of mind, what we are talking about is your own sense of enoughness. And it sounds like it's enough that I'm focused on this one thing or person. It's enough that I'm carving out time to relax my brain, fuel my body, use the bathroom. It's enough that I don't have summer planned and all the activities confirmed at this moment. It's enough that I take care of this one patient and allow the phone calls to wait. It's enough that I don't want or need to take on extra things, extra positions, volunteer things. I'm doing enough. Enoughness. It is in every aspect of our life. You have probably noticed, and it's reflected in how we use our brain capacity for processing. One of the biggest things I've learned in slowing down, being still, listening more, is that the truly important things get done all the time. And better sleep comes from believing that I am enough and I've done enough. Like believing it and not allowing, not offering doubt and uncertainty to creep in and change my mind. This has been a huge lesson from being still. Redefining how I see myself. Redefining my identity on who I am. Having an identity of who I am rather than what I do. Another lesson, allow people to wait. I am smiling because many won't like it, and that's okay. It empowers them to be more resourceful while they're waiting. I spend less time on things that aren't important, and I create more depth for the things that are, create more meaning and more fulfillment. So that's brain space, like the physical processing space that's available. And let's shift over to storage capacity. Do you remember those days of cramming? Like get more, cram it into your brain and hope it sticks? More facts, more equations, more dates, more names, more historical events, hoping to retain at least some or if not all. And it worked enough. It probably didn't stay there for long. You just needed it long enough so you can take a test or use it in whatever way. Today's offering is to think about what you want to remember rather than allow your mind to store everything and especially to store the negative events that you're experiencing. Because our brain stores the pain, the disappointment, the failure, the rejection. Our brain stores the guilt and the shame and the judgment way more than the small victories. It gets a way larger space so that we really remember and don't do those things again. A tiny space is dedicated for victories, moments of joy, simple things that brought a smile during the day. 
When I was in Iraq, near the end of it, I started a writing project and invited others in to write some paragraphs on what their eyes have seen, what their experience was like in Iraq, because I wanted to hear about it. What affected them? What did they witness? What impact? How have they changed? I wanted to know. And I really wanted to see how it compared to my, what I've seen, what I've experienced, because this wasn't stuff that we talked about. And then took a picture of just their eyes to combine it with. I haven't pulled it out in years. And my mind has stored all kinds of things just about that writing project. Like the number of people who said, no, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) The number of people that told me they're a terrible writer, they had nothing to say. And the number of people that said, oh yeah, I'll do it and never followed through. So that takes up a larger space. And in a smaller space, the few who said yes and did it, the meaningful writing, the sharing it with others. So the staff in the ER, they made a book of all the things that they collected, the pictures, the witty sayings, the humorous things, the crazy lab values. And most of it was very humorous and they included what these eyes have seen project. Today's offering is about selecting what you want to remember and reminding yourself what you want to remember and intentionally storing it thinking about what is it that I want to think in the future about this event? What do I want to think about this experience? What do I want to think about this person? Intentionally telling the brain, this is what I'm going to remember. This is what's important. Try to expand that space rather than the negative, rather than the default, remembering the pain of a situation. I want to remember those who said yes and wrote the meaningful writing The funny, mostly funny ER book, that's what's important to me, which leads to memory retrieval. My mind, and maybe yours too, is quick to remember the pain, the failures, the guilt, the shame, the should have, the comparison, the loss, the regret, the hurts, and the unfairness. It's deeply planted. It's deeply protected. It's well-intentioned so that we're safe, so we don't do it again. We don't experience it again. We don't risk again, except it sucks our energy and it dampens our opportunities. It directs us to live a life of trying to avoid what we don't want, trying to avoid the same mistake rather than encouraging us to take some risk and live the life we do want, work towards what we do want, who we do want to be. It's a very different experience. If I'm focused on doing more of what I love, or if I'm focused on avoiding anything that can hurt me. So memory retrieval, just thinking about it, our mind offers us the past all the time. When you look at your tires, you may remember the last flat tire and the inconvenience of it. When you look in the refrigerator, it may remind you of how you failed to go to the grocery store, what you don't have, or it may dredge up some judgment of who was supposed to do it and when it was supposed to happen and why you were being lazy. You weren't. High achievers are not lazy. When looking at a scar on your child's knee, you may remember the exact injury and start to blame yourself. Our mind offers us memories all the time and lots of encouragement to start thinking about memory space as something you can claim. Spend time with the memories you want. Walk away from the memories that bring you down. See the memories that are offered to you as optional kind of the use or lose concept. Use what you want. Allow to fade in the background what doesn't serve you. 
And you'll notice over time, the less you use it, the less it comes up. The things you do use, the things you dwell on, spend time with, relive, and the things you perseverate on, they're going to grow stronger. They're going to come back more often. The ones we really don't pay attention to, the ones we're like, nah, not now, Uh, not interested, no thanks, they come back less frequently. This isn't scientific. This is Dina's experience of life and brain work. When my mind offers me something to consume in the past, I immediately consumed it. I relived it. I perseverated on it. I got angry at Craig again. (laughs) Big smile. And now I realize I get to decide. I get to decide what to do with it before even consuming it. It's like being at a party with the servers who walk around with a plate of food. I can ask, am I hungry? Do I want the stuffed jalapeno or not? Do I want the fruit skewer or not? Do I want the mystery food or not? If yes, reach, consume. If no, just keep walking. No big deal. Today's offering is that before consuming anything brought up from the past, before going into that automatic reliving, rethinking, rejustifying, or beating yourself up again, that you can pause and decide if you even want to. What we're talking about is the everyday stuff. We're not talking about trauma or PTSD. If you are experiencing recurrent intrusive thoughts, if you're experiencing recurrent trauma, if your life is disrupted, please seek help. There are many options for care, including your primary doctor. Getting back to the everyday stuff, do I want to spend time here again? Do I want to think about this again? Do I want to relive this again? Is it helpful to me or others? Saying yes reinforces it. It allows more opportunities for it to come up again and again. It's like it's on faster recall, but you don't have to. You don't have to walk down that road ever again. You can allow the unnecessary memories to fade. You get to. You can pay less attention. You can use them less and they will fade over time. I want to remember as I walked out of the building where we slept at Ibn Sina Hospital in Iraq, I want to remember that single blade of grass that grew in the rocks all by itself in 120 degrees. I want to remember that it defied the odds. When my mind goes back to Iraq, I don't take what's offered in the moment to think about. I want to go into that intentional space. I want to think about the people that said yes. I want to think about the people we helped. You know, I talked more about Iraq in my talk last week than I have in 10 years. I think I had packaged a lot of experience in a box, put it away like, I don't need it. And now that the box is opened up, it's really fun to be able to sort through it. So intentional storage retrieval, intentionally saying no to memories that are unnecessary or unhelpful, to memories that will steal time and energy from what I do want. I want meaning, purpose, and fulfillment. That's why I do everything I do. So consider asking yourself one basic question for any memory or any situation that comes up. Is thinking about this going to contribute to my goals? Is reliving this going to contribute to my goals? Is replaying this situation going to contribute to my goals? Is spending time on this again going to contribute to my goals? And for me, I ask, How does this contribute to meaning, purpose, and fulfillment? Because there's a cost to how we use our brain space 
and how we consume or not the memories that come up. There's a cost to our time, to our energy, and to our brain capacity and processing. And those costs can have a positive or negative return. So if it amplifies joy, like recalling that one blade of grass, or thinking about the single flower that grew in the sidewalk crack outside of Auburn, Maine, Hilton, or thinking about picking blueberries and raspberries in 70-degree weather, those are the things I want to think about. If it invites in more love, like recalling the ACE conference and a woman who walked up and said it was the first time she's ever felt accepted, or thinking about the number of people who've said, I've never said that to anyone, and they blew themselves away because they finally identified something that had been weighing on them, or coming home from Iraq and feeling very broken, proud of some things, not proud of others. What I want to remember is Craig looking at me, saying he was proud of me tired, dirty, feeling defeated, and he said he was proud of me. I get to make that an intentional memory that I can recall. I get to use that brain space, put something in it. We're talking about living more intentionally by stepping back and demanding better from our brain, demanding higher quality memories that help us move towards the goal, adding intentional recall of moments of joy, awe, inspiration, and love choosing whether or not to consume what the mind delivers. Because it's there, because it's right in front of you, does not mean you need to react to it, consume it, or even act on it. And to treat our brains kindly, allowing ourselves to focus on one thing, one person, making people wait, making things wait, allowing ourselves to be enough, allowing unnecessary memories to fade, Believe that you have learned enough from any event, any person, and you are now free to move on. It is all about creating an unstoppable life. We are the ones who get in the way of it. And we don't have to. I was talking with someone today, Dr. Robin Tiger, who shared a lesson that was shared with her, which was be 1% better. Just focus on being 1% better every day. That's what an unstoppable life looks like. And what it feels like is proud, excited, inspired, hopeful, encouraging. It goes along with the other emotions of the human experience, that there's sadness at times. There's feeling low at times. There's acknowledging others are suffering. It's feeling loss. So an unstoppable life doesn't extinguish those emotions but it heightens the human experience and it shows you how much you have to give. It shows you that you've got this whole toolbox of things for others to help them lead a life that looks better, to help them see that 1% better every day is huge and it's meaningful and to see the power and influence that they have to help others feel better, create stronger communities and just lead lives that are meaningful and fulfilling. My friends, I am so thankful for you. I am sending love and hope for your journey, no matter where you are at. 1% better. It's available. It's enough. And it's going to get you so far ahead. I will see you next time. Oh, by the way, you can't do it alone. So invite others into your experience. People you trust, people who are trained in the area that you may need help, that you may want help in, people who are also creating an unstoppable life. I'll see you next time. Ciao.